Fortress Canine Podcast. Woo, that was quick. Instagram found my connection worthy faster this morning. Must be a good place to start it. Alright, so we'll give everybody <clears throat> who wants to join us on the live stream just a minute to get on. I'm going to continue doing the uh, responses to the MeWe uh, post with the questions uh, that I asked the group um, what they'd like me to talk about, reference dogs, answering questions with dogs um, on a podcast uh, guest request form uh, that I was looking at doing and, uh, and I went over to fill out the guest form and when he gets full on guest for a certain period of time he turns it off so I'm waiting for it to come back on but didn't want all of the folks there <clears throat> to uh, to not get responses uh, to the questions that they had so I decided initially I tried to um, do a live stream over on MeWe itself I don't know if you can do that um, I thought that one of the guys I listened to uh, did live streams over there and then I realized I think he's using a different app I think he's doing Odyssey and float at the same time, not MeWe. So uh, MeWe may not have that ability yet. Uh, hopefully they get it, um, but I'm screen recording these while I do them live over here on Instagram so that I can uh, upload the video directly over there. So <clears throat> it'll be a little interactive with the people over here, uh, but at least I can give answers to those questions and then, um, and then they'll be able to go over and check them out. All right, so, <clears throat> excusez-moi. So the next question we got was from um, Karen Webb. This was actually a response to the one uh, that I covered in the last video, uh, reference exposing dogs to gunfire and fireworks and things like that. And she kind of gives some advice on how retriever uh, trainers, retriever folks train their dogs to, uh, to be good with stuff. So uh, those are some additional thoughts that she had there. Excuse that, moi. Eric Hahn said the best breeds to pick up chicks. My experience is Malinois puppies are awesome for picking up chicks because they're kind of a badass dog, but they're also puppies. And uh, so chicks love Malinois puppies. Uh, in reality, pretty much anywhere you move with a cool looking, obedient dog, um, all sorts of people, including chicks, will want to talk to you. So if you walk around with a smile on your face, you'll get lots of interactions. If you walk around with a scowl on your face like I do, people are just scared of you and leave you alone. Because um, I'm not looking to pick up chicks. I already have an awesome chick and uh, don't need another one. <clears throat> one is enough. There's awesomeness and all the stuff you're dealing with, with a chick, I only want one. So, um, that's my thought on picking up chicks with dogs. The uh, If you start being a dog trainer, you will have plenty of chicks coming and training with you. Um, because for some reason, it seems to be like a 8 to 1, 10 to 1 ratio of women wanting to train their dogs over men, uh, even when you're doing the type of training that I do. And so uh, if you're a single dude, most of those women are married, but <clears throat> a few of them aren't. And uh, so you could probably pick up some chicks that way too if you wanted to. Um, all right, so uh, Karen Webb, aha, same person that gave the response up above, asked about dealing with... Um, feces, waste, how do you deal with that? And she was talking about on a homestead, a lot of people that are doing homestead type stuff, 
<coughs> excuse me, are trying to maximize uh, all the usefulness of everything and minimize uh, any kind of waste, meaning you know not utilizing things to their greatest capacity. I'm gonna grab a cough drop here real quick. Hopefully, make this a little nicer audio for you guys when you're not hearing me cough. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. Number one is uh, I I've not like done bacterial tests and things like that um, but I have heard that you do not want to put um, dog feces especially um, I guess this would essentially be any kind of predator uh, feces directly into like a garden uh, you want to be very careful about um, parasites and any <clears throat> maybe not any but a lot of the animals uh, that are predators have parasites that are transmissible to humans, right? So, um, and most of those parasites, or I guess a decent number of those parasites, um, are contained in the feces. And so if you go directly from their feces and placing it into like a garden and tilling it in or something like that, then um, there's a decent chance you transmit that to yourselves, right? You can basically, you contaminate your own food supply in a garden or something. Uh, so I don't do that, but here's been my experience. So uh, we've had dogs for a long time. Uh, I had dogs while I was in the military, and before you move in the military, uh, you want to kind of return your house space that you had uh, back to its original state before you leave or they charge you money. So <clears throat> we would have dogs on tieouts, not all the time, but we would put them on tieouts for you know an hour or so a day. We had little dog houses and all that good stuff. Um, and uh, we would use chains because the cables, they just don't last. The cables break pretty quickly. So we would use chains and even the lightweight chains drag on the ground a lot. And so as the dogs move and Malawas, German Shepherds, Dutch Shepherds, they move a lot. Right? They don't just sit still. So they're dragging this chain back and forth, back and forth, and it kills all the grass. Um, one of the benefits to a chain, especially over something like a cable though, is when they poop, the chain pulverizes the poop into the dirt. <clears throat> so you get kind of this even spread of their poop into the dirt. And then about a month before we would move, we would stop tying them out, right? We'd stop putting them out there. I'd pull the chains up, move the dog houses, all that good stuff. And, uh, and so the grass would start growing back into that area. And the grass that grew in the dog area where the chain was would grow about three times faster than all the rest of the yard, right? <clears throat> now you don't get in trouble for having too fertile grass, so I didn't really care. We'd mow it right before we left and then voila, but I would drive by, there were a couple times where um, when I was up in Alaska, we moved from on base to off base uh, and I drove past the house that we were in and this was like six, eight months. It would have been eight or nine, <clears throat> excuse me, eight or nine months after we moved out. Um, I drove by and that part of the yard was still greener and taller than all the rest of the yard, right? So it does have a very fertilizing effect, that, that story. And that happened multiple times in other places that we lived. When we moved the dogs off their spots and the chain was no longer keeping all of the, the vegetation from growing, um, <clears throat> when the vegetation would grow up, it would grow up faster and thicker than uh, anywhere else, okay? So it's very fertile. So here's what I would do 
with uh, dog waste. And um, we, we handle it a little differently in the kennel just because there's so much of it and I don't really have a spot for this, although I might set up a spot for this down the road. Um, <clears throat> but I would compost it. I would compost it away from the other animals and um, not other animals, sorry. Away from where I'm doing my garden, right? Because I don't want it to uh, contaminate the garden. A lot of times when people are doing a compost, especially if they're doing like a pile, a compost pile, they will, um, they'll put the pile like in or near a garden, right? I wouldn't do that. I would not put it in or near the garden because again, then you have the, the concern of contamination in your garden area where your food is. Um, and I need to look more into this, but I know there are guys, especially in like the permaculture uh, groups, and I'm, I don't know much about permaculture, so I can't really speak to much of that, but they are experimenting with this with human feces. And uh, so rather than having like a standard septic system and all of that kind of stuff, and I don't know all the details of how this system is built, um, but <clears throat> they basically collect the human feces and they separate the urine from the feces, so that's one important thing, okay? And then they collect the feces in some kind of container, they seal and mark it, and then they compost it for, I think they do two years or three years, so it's a long process, but they've been doing this for a while, and it's essentially a sealed container as far as I can tell. And when it's done and they open it up, it looks just like dirt. And, uh, and then they, they put it into their beds and voila, it's, um, it's like fertilizer, okay? Um, so that would be what I would try. Now, right now it's easier for us. We have a drainage system and all of this stuff set up on the kennel. And so um, we pick up, we throw away the, the solid stuff and then when we uh, spray and rinse and all that good stuff, um, this all drains down into, we have kind of, it's, it's essentially a French drain with a little semi-septic area, area built. And then I occasionally uh, will put down lye, L-Y-E, lye, um, and lye dissolves organic matter. <clears throat> Uh, because when you spray, we have rocks on top of our drainage system, so the rocks catch a lot of like the hair and stuff like that, the fur as they shed. So you end up getting uh, this buildup right along where the concrete pad and the rocks meet each other. And so I put lye down there and it dissolves all that and drains it all down. And I'm sure that lye, as we spray, works its way down to our septic little area and dissolves all that too. And then that kind of leaches into the, the ground around it. So. Um, so that is how we do our thing, uh, but once, I, and I've got so many projects that this is low on the list, but once I get kind of caught up and get things rolling and going the way I want, that is something that I want to set up, where we, uh, we don't throw all that organic matter away, we actually have a way to use it. And, and uh, again, I haven't done the, the actual studies on these, but one of the guys I was hearing talk about that system that they built for the human waste, apparently... Um, composting it's like in six months like 90% of all bacteria are have been killed and then in like 12 months it's like 99.9% .9 of all bacteria so they go like that extra step and go 24 months I think they do two years and um, and then so they're like you know for all practical purposes it, it's completely sterile at that point um, so <clears throat> that would be one of the reasons I would do that, is uh, 
the longer you compost it, the more, more sterile it supposedly becomes. And I would want to do a little bit more research on that, but that would be my initial thoughts on that. All right, the uh, next question. Allie asked, um, the best way to teach an older dog, three years old, uh, to be better off leash, uh, not in the yard. Uh, so I'm assuming you're talking about walking around like on trails and stuff like that with your dog. Okay. Here's the bottom line with dog obedience. If you give a dog a lot of freedom, and some people think, oh, I don't give my dog that much freedom. If your dog roams the house, meaning they can just move around in the house wherever they want to go, uh, even if you're like, oh, they don't go in the kitchen though, <clears throat> right? If they just gotta kind of get to roam around and do what they want, uh, that's freedom. If you let them out off, leave to use the bathroom, that's freedom, okay? The more freedom you give your dog, the less obedience you will have in your dog. It doesn't always mean that the dog will be like a bad dog. It just means if they normally get to do whatever they want, then it takes a lot more work and time and energy to get them to listen to you the other times, okay? So, <clears throat> if you want off-lead obedience, first you have to have on-lead obedience. And you get on-lead obedience by training the dog with a lead instilling discipline into the dog, which I talk about this a lot over on my Protection Dog podcast. So if you don't listen to that already and you're at all interested in defensive tactics and the mentality and dog training and stuff, um, those are kind of the three main topics I cover over there. Um, if you don't have on-lead obedience, you're not gonna have off-lead obedience. Our program that we teach at canineacademyonline.com the letter K, the number nine, academyonline.com, teaches you how to transition from on-lead obedience to off-lead obedience. So it walks you through the whole process of, here's how you teach all your commands with a lead. Now here's how you start to use your lead in a way that gets you and moves you in the direction of off-lead obedience. And then here's how you transition to off-lead obedience. It's designed to be about a one-year-long program. You can do it faster if you invest more time. It's kind of based around the idea of spending about 10 to 15 minutes a day training your dog. Right, 10 to 15 minutes a day, and then maintaining discipline the rest of the time. Uh, but you don't have to like be doing strict training the rest of the time. And um, you want off-lead obedience, you follow that process, the simple uh, process, you know, just in a nutshell, is um, initially we use our lead to teach the obedience and to require the obedience. Then we train the dog to respond to our commands when our lead is loose. Okay, we maintain a loose lead. If you're if you have a tight lead with your dog a lot, um, that means your dog is basically doing what they want again, right? They're pulling against the lead. So we work with a loose lead. And then we can transition. Once you have a loose lead and you have consistent obedience with a loose lead, you can essentially, you'll have that obedience without a lead. And there's a little bit of a transition there because the dog kind of realizes, oh, I don't have a lead right now. Um, but that's the basic process of how to, how to transition from on-lead obedience to off-lead obedience. Um, then Georgia, is that how you say that? Georgia Hernandez. Um, just in a picture of a cool Mally. Yep, he looks awesome. Nice, big, thick boy. And um, I can't tell if that's theirs or their friends, but 
Uh, that is pretty cool. And let's see, is Mike. Okay, so Mike Pershing, I can see the whole thing here. Dealing with aggressive behaviors with the dog. Okay, and this is, yeah, Mike Pershing asked. <clears throat> and uh, my paraphrase of his question, because I get this type of question a lot, is, hey, my dogs are protective, but uh, how do I deal with their aggression when it's like friends coming over and things like that? All right, here's the deal with aggression. First of all, we train protection dogs, right? So I train my dogs how to fight human beings. And when they fight, they create a lot of damage if you're not wearing protective equipment. They create some damage even with protective equipment, right? If you uh, saw my training recap yesterday from Canine Academy Online, one of the guys that is learning to train dogs under me right now um, got bit in the hand, in the suit, and was like, holy shit, I think that I just lost a finger before he actually got to like look, right? It freaking hurts. And um, and of course it wasn't that bad because the suit protected him, but <clears throat> dogs create a lot of force and they can create a lot of damage. And so because of that, we, sorry, I'm looking back, I'm trying to wait for traffic to clear so I can go. <clears throat> because of that, we have on my training facility with my dogs, what I refer to as a zero tolerance for unwarranted aggression. So that means if a dog is aggressive when it's not supposed to be, it gets corrected and it gets corrected hard. Some people would be like, holy fucking shit, that was hard. Okay, hard, hard corrections for unwarranted aggression. Because unwarranted aggression is lawsuits, is dog gets put down, is people that you may care about get injured. Right? Even if you, if it's not people you know, um, you have no right to cause injury to a stranger either. Right? You can only cause injury to someone who's trying to cause injury to you. That's how it works. And so dogs must, must, must not have unwarranted aggression. So how do you deal with aggression? Well, it kind of depends on you and your dog and the training methods that you're using. Um, the best way to deal with it is to train the dogs when it's okay and when it's not, when they're puppies. Sounds like your dogs aren't puppies anymore. And so without seeing the dogs, it's difficult to give you a specific course of action forward. But <clears throat> a lot of people believe their dogs will protect them because they growl and or bark when strangers come around. Uh-oh, poor connection. Oh no, there we go, we're back. So a lot of people believe their dogs will protect them because they growl or bark when strangers come around. This usually is not the case. And we see this a lot when we're doing training with dogs, even dogs that will growl and bark, is when you actually put pressure on them to do something, they back away, okay? If that's where your dog is, and I don't know that without seeing the dog, but if that's where your dog is, then, um, you can simply put a correction collar on them. We recommend and use the prong collar, but whatever correction collar you use, and when they act that way, you correct them for it. You tell them, knock that off. And then when they are acting the way you want them, you praise them. Oh, good, leave it. Good job, buddy. Yeah, they're friends. Don't worry about them. They're okay, right? Now, you may want to maintain um, what we call an alert, which is, hey, somebody new's here, right? And um, so they do an initial like, bark, bark, when somebody comes over, ah, poor connection again, there we go. You may wanna maintain that alert where they give an initial bark and then you say something like, good alert, 
Now leave it alone. And then if they don't leave it alone, they get corrected, right? If you have a dog that is actually like on the verge of biting, uh, that's dangerous to do. <clears throat> so uh, you need to make sure that it's safe because if that dog's on the verge of biting, there's a decent chance they will turn and bite you when you correct them, okay? In that case, <clears throat> excuse me, you need a trainer to help you with that. Somebody who, number one, can look and see, um, yep, this dog's getting ready to bite, or nope, this dog's just posturing, we can correct this, okay? Um, so they need to be able to tell you that. Um, if you're really in tune with your dogs, maybe you can tell that. Uh, but most people think, oh, my dog would protect me. <clears throat> and I look and I go, no, nah, that dog ain't gonna protect you. It'll, it's protective, it'll bark, it'll growl, it'll posture, right? Hey, don't bother us, leave us alone. And then person goes, fuck you, your dog ain't gonna bite. And the dog goes, holy shit, I ain't gonna bite. And he runs away. And, and, and you can look at a dog and tell if you work dogs, you can look at, and you can see that in the dog. <clears throat> so you need to go back and forth. If you're really in tune and you can tell that, then, um, then you can proceed accordingly. Um, the way I deal with a dog, which I don't do this a lot anymore because I'm tired of dealing with other people's problems that they created in their dogs. Um, <clears throat> but I used to do a lot of this work with people is I, um, I put on a bite suit basically and then work the dog wearing a bite suit so that if they come in and they try and bite me, um, I can deal with them that way. So I can take the bite if they're gonna give it to me. And um, so we're gonna wrap up with that one today. Um, but anybody who has dogs that are being aggressive when they're not supposed to, uh, I would encourage you to correct those dogs. And um, encourage the behavior you want, correct the behavior you don't. I hope that's been helpful for you. Uh, I'll jump on tomorrow, uh, hopefully tomorrow morning, and uh, finish these questions up for you guys. See you later. Fortress Canine Podcast.